Johnny Summers, if people here in Chico are looking for a place to grab a tasty beer and some tasty food, where can they go? Most definitely the Handlebar, right here in Chico at 2070 East 20th Street. They've got a dope happy hour, seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. You're going to get a dollar off draft beers, and they have great food. They have cocktails. They have a dog-friendly patio. And there's a couple TVs if you want to watch some sports. They really do have everything you need. Again, that's the Handlebar right here in Chico on the south end of town at 2070 East 20th Street. Get down there. Have yourself some deliciousness all day long. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hello, welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and film podcast based in Chico, California. My name's Max Minardi. What's up, dudes? It's Johnny. This week on the show, we have a review of A Quiet Place, part two. It is a new horror film from writer, director, and three-hole punch impersonator, one Mr. John Krasinski. <laughs> Uh, part two picks up in the immediate aftermath of the events of part one. We're talking minutes later, uh, which came out back in 2019. If you haven't seen the first A Quiet Place, uh, definitely be warned. It's going to be super spoilery because this is uh, the sequel. Yeah, we've also got two beers from Urban Roots, one of Johnny's favorite breweries in Sacramento, California. Both are variations on their anniversary beer, Traveler's Welcome. The first is an unfiltered, high-density, hop-charged double IPA, dancing in at a hearty 8.5% ABV. And the second is a West Coast IPA with Idaho 7, Chinook, and Citra Hops, eager to kick down the doors of our palates at 9% <laughs> ABV. Which is sure to make for an interesting hot and bothered, especially with all the the dirt that's in Idaho. Uh, that's the part of the show, the hot and bothered, is where the two of us catch up on what's going on in our lives. It's usually pretty interesting. Uh, no self-appreciation, I suppose. And we suggest things that we think you should take a look at. Movies, beer, records, whatever, stuff like that. Yeah, if you're listening on KZFR 90.1 FM, you'll be hearing our review of beer number one and the spoiler-free portion of our discussion of A Quiet Place Part 2. But... If you want to hear the full episode, you can find it, plus more than 200 other film and beer conversations dating all the way back to 2016 at any of the following places. Your Spotify's, your SoundClouds, and your Apple Podcasts, or any other place that you listen to podcasts. New episodes of this here show drop every Friday, 7 a.m. If you like us, please leave us a review and rate us. It helps, and it helps other people find us. Follow us on Instagram for photos, Letterboxd for film reviews, and Untapped for beer reviews, all at Fresh Hop Cinema, or... For all of our many facets of beer and film entertainment in one convenient location, put those little fingers to work and type www.freshhopcinema.com into your favorite internet browser. That's right. If you want to get in touch, please email us. We do enjoy hearing feedback in the form of emails or voice recordings. Send all of those things, including, if you're not happy with us, to fhccast at gmail.com. We will read it, and quite possibly, you'll get a shout-out on the show. Like one, David. Yeah, that's right. We got an email from a radio listener named David who wrote in with a correction from episode 222 regarding the ownership of Lagunitas. Uh, Johnny, you and I were trying to figure out whether or not the brewery was still classified as craft, even though about half the company was bought out by Heineken back in 2015, and we landed on yes. Which absolutely was not correct. Yeah, it has to be owned by 75% uh, or more by the brewery itself to be considered craft. But even if it were, there were actually two buyouts by Heineken. Uh, the second came in 2017 
just two years after the first, and since then, Lagunitas has been solely owned by Heineken. Uh, so thanks for writing in with that, David. We appreciate it, and we appreciate you listening on KZFR. Yeah, if you want to be like David, again, send those emails or voice memos to fhccast at gmail.com. And if you want to support our show financially, you can do that on patreon.com. You go to Patreon, you can give us a buck or two for every episode we drop, and we give you access to all sorts of fun bonus episodes. We just recorded our top five movie monsters, and we got top five lists and bonus beer reviews and bonus movie reviews going all the way back to 2016. Also, I would be remiss if we didn't shout out a patron birthday. This, uh, actually, the day of this recording, uh, June 8th, Jen. Jen Schuler, thank you so much for supporting the show. Hope you're having a great birthday. Um, I'm looking forward to potentially getting a Patreon hangout together, uh, I think, sometime soon. What do you think, Johnny? I think there's no reason not to. Yeah, we're feeling it's feeling it's feeling like we're on on the cusp of greatness in that regard. Absolutely. Johnny Summers, anything else you want to hit before we uh, get into the nitty gritty? I want to hit my face with this beer. Okay, so uh, tell me a bit about Urban Roots before we drink beer number one, would you? Yes, good sir. In addition to being one of my favorite hangouts in Sacramento, their website does read. Urban Roots is an independent craft brewery and smokehouse located in Sacramento, California. They opened their doors in 2018 and set out to create a space that embodies the things which inspire us the most. Extraordinary people, beer, and food. Come kick it with your family, your community, your friends, or make some new ones. Throw back a few beers, break some bread, and have a good time with us, because good times are what we're all about. Uh, If you're a longtime fan of the show, you'll remember that we last covered Urban Roots way back in March of 2020 on episode 163 with their IPA, Bigger on the Inside, which was a direct shout out to that show that I can't think of the name of. (laughs) It's uh, with the TARDIS. Oh, uh, Doctor Who. Doctor Who, yeah, yeah sure. there's a Doctor Who shout out because of the thing. It's bigger on the inside. Yeah. I know things. Yeah, when I went back to prep the notes, I was I was trying to figure out how much we liked that beer, and we didn't. I didn't put the ratings in the notes, and I was just skimming. But safe to say that we liked it because we also had Urban Roots on. I believe it was episode like 123 back in 2019, and here we are again in 2021 drinking their beers again. Um, so, Johnny, you picked them both out, and I said at the beginning that these are both kind of variations on a beer they do every year for their anniversary. And we'll see if we can get all these numbers right, but we already messed it up once before we started recording. So I'm going to make you do it, sir. What are we drinking first? Yes. So we're drinking Traveler's Welcome 3. So every year they do a beer called Traveler's Welcome. And this year uh, they did, they brewed both their second and third anniversary editions. So we will be drinking first the third anniversary edition, which is a... Unfiltered, (laughs) high-density... Hop charged double IPA, and it is nine and a half percent ABV. I think it might be eight and a half percent. Oh, it is eight and a half. I can't <laughs> read good. That's fine. <clears throat> yeah. So I was super stoked that both these beers are very, very fresh, and I have it on good authority that they're both tasty. So big shout out SNS Andy. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, I'm stoked because same base recipe I'm imagining with two different versions coming in. So really interested to try this and i think this is the perfect format for a release like this where we do two beers side by side from the same brewery what better beer to do than maybe like kind of a base recipe with two different iterations and i think that's how it is i'm not sure specifically uh, if they just kind of tweak the recipe of a base beer every year 
Uh, I don't know. Let's find out. Let's decide for ourselves. What do you say? That sounds great, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to touch on it in a minute here. You said something like high-density hop charge unfiltered double IPA, and we're going to talk a little bit about what that means. Um, but I did want to point out that this particular version is brewed with Citra, Mosaic, and Eldorado hops, um, giving it a very fruit-forward, bright, and intense hop profile, again, to celebrate the past three years of them being in business. Um, sir, have you poured it, uh, tasted it perhaps, smelled it? All the above? I've poured it. I haven't done anything other than pour it. Okay, well then while you get your first taste, I want to talk a little bit about high-density hop charge. It's this new sort of method for for hopping a beer. You know, traditionally when you think of brewing beers, you get, when you add your hops, you got maybe like whole cone hops or pelletized hops. And there's a company, uh, actually back even further, there's 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 a brewery that started this process. Um, and it was the other, other half brewing in Brooklyn. And they contracted with this company called uh, John I. Haas, and they make Incognito, which is a hop... Uh, resin, basically, it's it's a concentrate. So instead of having to use hop cones or pellets, you get to pour in this resin, and you get to avoid basically any of the vegetal materials that go into hops, and that results in a lot of uh, a lot more efficient brewing in terms of what you waste and what you get to keep. Um, and we'll talk and it, about that in a bit. What were you gonna say? It looks like hop syrup. It looks like hop syrup. That's a great way of putting it. Um, and I've heard only great things. I've got about a million tabs up on my uh, my browser right now because I was trying to learn as much as I could and in a short amount of time for something that no pun intended has quite high density in terms of uh, the amount of information out there. And it got pretty sciencey and over my head. So I'm hoping to learn more, but there's great articles out there on beerconnoisseur.com, VinePair, or you can go to johnihaas.com on uh, his homepage and you can read a bit there. It's a little bit more, um, you know, digestible and a little bit more palatable and not quite so sciencey, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I see from uh, John Ihaas's website, uh, the Incognito is available in Citra, Mosaic, and Yukonot. Mm-hmm. Do you happen to know which hop was used as the uh, Incognito goop in this beer? <laughs> I like that goop. Um, I would be, inc- I would have been inclined to say that it was all three, the Citra, Mosaic, and Eldorado, but I, I would guess now that it was probably just the Citra and Mosaic because okay. they do tout that um, HDHC process pretty intensely on, on their website, um, Urban Roots does. And even when other half did it, Back in not too long ago, but when they first did it, they made it with pellets, a combination of pellets and cryo hops and incognito. So I'd be curious to know how much of this is actual incognito, the hop resin, and how much of it is a traditional hop in either pellet form or flower form. I'm not sure. It's fascinating, man. It's it's like anything, any ingredient, you know, that's perishable. You start to see so many different ways that it can be introduced into a product. I mean, I've never seen anything like this. I'm going to have to reach out to some brewer friends to see what they think of this stuff. But just judging solely on what I've tasted right now, uh, this stuff's awesome because this beer is real nice. Yeah, dude, I heard somebody compare it to sort of the uh, the um, mega version of like double dry hopping without all of the waste. Because like you want a bigger and a hoppier beer with, with more of that aroma and, and more of the characteristics in the hops that you want. But the more hops you add... In theory, the less beer you're going to get out of it, or, or at the very least, the more beer you have to waste because so much mm. of it gets absorbed into the hops or the pellets. Um, and and this seems to be, based on everything that I've read, a pretty good way of getting that hop flavor and aroma without the losses. I know that um, New Belgium did a Voodoo Ranger exclusively with, with Incognito, if I'm not mistaken, but I haven't, again, done my due diligence totally. Yeah, because, I mean, I'm looking at the website, and it looks like they're pouring it directly. I mean, they're pouring it directly into, I'm not yeah. sure what stage of the brewing process, but I, I really wonder if you even have to, like, filter it out. 
I'm inclined to say, at least in this beer that we're drinking, they did not. They said unfiltered. And, and I believe that they put it in um, and it mixes in with the wort. So it's pretty early on and they just just go for it. They just send it afterwards. There's, there's, it saves so many steps and so much cleanup. And they were touting sort of the environmental differences that makes in terms of like your cleaning chemicals and the gases you use. Um, there is a process huh. of CO2 extraction that I don't even understand at all. So I'm just going to name drop it and seem smart and then walk away from that real quick. But okay. there's a lot to it. And I'm, I'm interested. And I, I'm so fascinated by the the constant sort of upward trajectory and, or at the very least, trajectory of inspiration that is going on in the beer community. It's so cool. People are like, let's try something new. Sure, why not? Let's do something different. Yeah. Let's make it better. I love that. Absolutely. Because, I mean, we've all seen breweries that stagnate just disappear. Sure. Because there's an evolution happening in craft beer constantly that unless you're like a mega producer that you need to adapt and you need to adopt these new philosophies and you need to pivot and experiment. And, you know, for smaller to medium sized breweries like urban roots, if you don't, you're going to get left in the dust. So I think it's, it's very wise and it's very innovative and it's, you know, it's that pioneering creative spirit that is probably what got a lot of people into making beer in the first place that keeps pushing it forward. Uh, Max, do you feel like this innovation has translated itself into some delicious flavors in the, your mouth. Yeah, this, you tried is, it? this is way good. Um, I even it's noticed nice. when I opened the can, it was just a burst of aroma that I wasn't quite expecting. And maybe I'm just getting a little burnt out on some of these higher ABV beers. They always just tend to drink really heavy. Um, but based on that nose and my first sip, I'm not getting really any weight. Like it feels like a really light, obviously hop forward, bright beer. It's re It's really good on my first sip. What about you? Yeah, you know, I like it. It's definitely very juicy. It's got a big, heavy, to me, dry hop flavor in that it yes. is very juicy, very hazy tasting, uh, but it does not have that heaviness. And I think it borders really close to on being too sweet for my personal taste, but it is nicely balanced with that hop profile. I mean, personally, I'd love to see some more bitterness out of this, but it's a really nice flavor. It, it it's very it tastes clean and fresh. Yeah, and that's not something that you usually get from like a double dry hop beer. Usually they get a little heavy mm -hmm. and like sometimes they get musty or you know too juicy and too pulpy tasting. It's nice to have something that is double dry hop that does taste like crisp and fresh. Uh, for example, this Friday I might be going down to Lincoln for a beer release because. Slice is doing a West Coast double dry hopped double IPA. Okay. Which I'm yeah. super curious to see if that's going to end up like sweet or bitter, somewhere in between. Is it going to be hazy? Uh, very curious about that. But I'm liking this this trend of, of double dry hopping West Coast stuff. And I'm curious if the double dry hopping on this, if, you know, because you said that they use the the what you call it the 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 hop goo in sure. the the wart uh, but double dry hopping as we know takes place much later i'm wondering if they double dry hopped with the whole cone hops and i'm then, gonna i'm wondering you know, if if i might have made a typo because i'm looking at this can now and and there's a chance that and this is maybe what i was getting at it's been very confusing like beer one today is travelers welcome three beer two is travelers welcome two we're covering a quiet place part two lots of numbers my point is it might be the second beer, which now that I'm saying it out loud, since it's a West Coast IPA, that might be the one that was double dry hopped, which would make way more sense for for this incognito um, hop uh, resin. Oh, you're right. No, you are right. You have not written. Oh, you did write double dry hopped. Yep. 
This is just unfiltered and high-density hop-charged double well, IPA. Well, wait a minute, because, I mean, the, the description we're reading does say we double-dry hop this beer with Citra Mosaic and El Dorado. Unless I just know, and to celebrate three years of business. Hmm. Huh. It doesn't say double-dry hopped on the can. No, it does not. Let me let me double-check their website, Um, and we can fact-check that in a second, but... My point is, regardless of how they do it, I'm super enjoying this in terms of what you were saying as far as like the lightness goes and, and that lack of sort of pulpy mustiness. Like there's a lot of really light tropical notes here that I'm getting, like a lot of papaya sort of vibes. Um, and also just mouthfeel wise, it's very pretty light carbonation. It doesn't feel sometimes an unfiltered beer can feel kind of creamy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And this doesn't have that. This this drinks, it almost has a body more like a West Coast IPA, like a light one at that. Yeah. I agree, which, I mean, is kind of what it's supposed to be. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it just says double IPA, so it doesn't say it doesn't claim a coast. That's true. That's a good point. That's not claiming any turf here, so let's not get this this beer involved in any riffraff that it doesn't want to be involved is there, in. Is there anything you don't like about it? You know, I mean, for me, it's just the the sweetness. Like, I would love to see this beer more bitter, but I think... That's that's totally personal. It's not going to rate super crazy high for me just mm-hmm. because of that. But this is a very well made beer, and I definitely tip my hat to the fact that it is objectively quite delicious. Yeah. Okay. So then uh, I agree. All that's true. I want to fact check some stuff. This is from Untapped, and it looks like the description on Untapped was copied from their website, which is what I did. Um, and it's listed on Untapped as an IPA Imperial slash Double New England. So. We'll call it a hazy beer, which makes sense for unfiltered. Um, and it says all the same stuff. Uh, it's an HDHC unfiltered double IPA, everything we already read. And then it goes on to say we double dry hop this beer with Citra Mosaic and Eldorado. So I guess it's both, man. And I, I would assume that the Eldorado is what came with the dry hopping. And then if they're really committed to the incognito hop resin, Citra and Mosaic was what they used. Okay, fair enough. I like it. I think this is very good. I am so stoked you picked this beer. Um, and yeah, like Urban Roots, good, good on you. You guys are doing cool stuff. Three years young, huh? And still cranking out stuff like this. <laughs> Nicely done. Absolutely. And as well as being one of the best places to eat in Sacramento. I've still never been. What You were saying it's one of your favorite hangs down there. When's the last time you were even there? Uh, I went down there, I believe, to pick up beer and get takeout like mid-pandemic. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. Yeah. But yeah, they're back open for outdoor seating now i believe and stuff they got a one of the best patios sweet in sacramento it's super good and their food's amazing yeah can't recommend urban roots enough all right um yeah so as far as this beer goes for me i dig it i'm i don't think i'm in love with it but it's a strong beer man it's it's like a seven nine seven nine all right fair enough um man i like it a lot i just had another drink that clearly made my mouth water like a xenomorph um and I, I made the conscious effort to also breathe in my nose while I was drinking it, and it just blossomed. This is great. I'm a huge fan of this beer. It, it doesn't cross that border of um, over-juiciness for me, which is not something I complain about too often, not nearly as much as you do. I know you don't love that, but like I love a good juicy IPA too, but the balance of, of hop aroma and flavor to sort of that sweetness that comes alongside um, the double dry hopping they did is in almost perfect harmony for me. This is fantastic. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with a strong nine on this, man. I feel good about this beer. Good work. Uh, you got anything else on this one or should we put it to bed? Uh, I think you should get it while you can. I mean, these were canned very recently and oh, yeah. it's, it's available around. So get it. Where did, uh, where did you get it? 
Uh, both of our beers today came from SNS Produce. So Perfect. if you're in the market, I think they were about five, six bucks a can for each of them. So they're worth checking out. Yeah. And I'm sure they're yeah. around at other fine beverage establishments in Chico. But nice. if not, check out SNS for sure. So again, and once again, and twice again, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. If you get a chance to try this beer, Traveler's Welcome 3, or the other one, Traveler's Welcome 2, or any other Traveler's Welcome you can get your hands on, give it a try. Let us know. We want to know what you think. Reach out. If you can, please email us at fhccast at gmail.com or find us on all the social medias at Fresh Hop Cinema. We're going to play a trailer for the new film, A Quiet Place Part 2. As a reminder, we aren't going to spoil it just yet, but if you haven't seen the first one, there will be spoilers inbound, so uh, don't listen if you don't want to, but it's going to be a good conversation anyways. Stick around. After that trailer, we will talk about it. Don't go anywhere. That will happen. A bomb, I think. why he came all the way up here. There's nothing left. There are people out there. People worth saving. That was a trailer for A Quiet Place Part 2. Hopefully you didn't talk too much because you might be dead. This film picks up within minutes after the ending of the first film of the same name, minus the two. Uh, if you haven't seen A Quiet Place from 2018, there is definitely spoilers ahead, so be warned. Yeah, I feel like that's a really good... I mean, it's a, it's a couple years old at this point, but still, we are going to spoil the first movie, uh, which we both, by the way, if you haven't heard our coverage of it, encourage you to watch. We both liked it. Yeah, absolutely. I just had a conversation with young Brian McAllister today, and he asked me not to spoil it because he had, in fact, never seen the original. So those people are out there. Fair enough. Okay, well... Um, Onto A Quiet Place Part 2. After John Krasinski's character, Lee, uh, he's the patriarch of the Abbott family. He sacrificed himself to save his wife, Evelyn. Played by Emily Blunt, his real-life wife. His daughter, Reagan. Played by Millicent Simmons. His very sensitive son, Marcus. Played by Noah Jupe. And their newborn baby, the family farm. Who doesn't get a credit. (laughs) I don't know who played the baby. Um, The family farm is totally destroyed. And Evelyn and the kids need to venture out to seek shelter from... Uh, the apocalyptic, alien-ridden, children of men meets the road type landscape that awaits them. I feel like that's a pretty decent setup for this movie. Yeah, that's fair. It paints a picture. So back for A Quiet Place Part 2 is director and this time sole writer of the screenplay, Mr. John Krasinski. Yeah, in the first film, he he shared a writing credit with, uh, I think, Scott Beck and Brian Woods. Yeah, that's right. In this film, it was originally slated to be released March 2020, but that date fell victim to the pandemic and was postponed to September of 2021. Then March of 2021 rolled around. Krasinski announced that the film would actually be released earlier. Part two was released in theaters on May 28th. 2020, 2021, <laughs> so many numbers. Numbers today, Make, man. <laughs> numbers, man. Making it the first quote-unquote big-budget theater-exclusive film to be moved forward since the start of the pandemic, which is excellent mm-hmm. news. Finally. Uh, it also holds the trophy for the first live-action major studio film to be released exclusively to theaters since Tenet in August of 2020. As of this recording, it's been in theaters for 11 days, it's already made $138 million 
easily outperforming its top competitors, Cruella and The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, both of which are well below $100 million. Yeah, Max, man. I read that in the notes. <laughs> I'm curious if that's domestic or globally. Oh, fair. I thought I put that. No, it's worldwide. Um, yeah, I think I think Cruella's doing something like $86 million, and The Conjuring's down at like 50-something. Okay. So... And and I wonder how much of a factor is that the Conjuring, uh, the Devil Made Me Do It, is one of those that's on HBO Max the same day as in theaters. Totally same. Well, Cruella's on Disney Plus also. Like that could be affecting it for sure. Yeah, but also Cruella's behind that secondary paywall, whereas <laughs> the Conjuring is only behind one. And I yeah. have the same questions about Army of the Dead because it was mm-hmm. one of those that's same to Netflix as as theaters. But all that to say. Quiet Place Part 2. It is doing really well. I'm yeah. super pleased that it has been moved up. Like that's so exciting that things mm. are starting to get brought back. Like nope, we don't have to wait till then. Yeah. Release it now. Summer blockbusters. It's time. It's exciting. I'm very excited. I'm super pleased that this movie got moved up. Dude, you know what else? I think we should probably talk about in terms of um performance in in the box office is the hopeful part of me is like okay, well Cruella is a spin-off of 101 Dalmatians. The Conjuring, a spinoff of the other Conjuring movies. And while A Quiet Place is technically a spinoff, it's a sequel. Like, it's a new idea and a relatively recent one. Like, part the film nerd in me wants to be like, people are just clamoring for originality. So that's what mm-hmm. I'm going to chalk it up to. It's like, yeah, people just want to see new ideas. Um, and I guess this will bring us into our conversation about this movie and tying back into the original. Both you and I thought, this is a really cool idea for a horror movie. Uh, a world yeah. where monsters invade they don't have eyes. They can hear super, super well. And correct me if I'm wrong, but we both said, like, if you can suspend your you, sort of some elements of your disbelief, like, why why do certain rules apply sometimes and not others? I think the first one made for a really great horror movie experience. Yeah, absolutely. And definitely one of the more unique experiences that we've had in recent history. Like you said, new ideas, new scary stuff with new rules. You know, it doesn't always work, but in the case of A Quiet Place, I think the original worked quite well, introducing us to this super high anxiety environment and way of life that these people are existing in. I mean, it threw you into this whole universe of just constant anxiety. Like that movie made me yeah. made me so anxious. It was ridiculous. For sure. Um, on that note, what did the second movie do for you? A Quiet Place Part Two. Uh, just uh, your general thoughts: hot or cold? Should people see it? That sort of thing. Did it justify a sequel? You know. Yeah, I mean, in in answering any questions about a sequel, you have to ask some questions about the original, and that will help you figure out if a sequel is worthy. So there's some things that I always am curious about: is one, if it is just more of the same, was the original worth having more of? Right. And if it's not more of the same and it's branching out into new stuff, does it do it effectively? Does it build off of the first movie into its own thing that makes it its own worthwhile entity or an an honorable part of a series or at least a sequel? So this movie, I had reasonable expectations. It was, you know, you know going in that there's going to be rules. You're familiar with the universe. You have to be quiet. You're going to be anxious the whole time. If you make too much noise, you're going to get ripped apart. That's just okay. We know that going in. So the question then is, what do you do with that? What steps do you take to move this story forward? 
So for me, this movie was a logical next step to the way that the first one left off. It was pretty seamless in its transition, and uh, it felt like the events of the first film were were quite fresh in the characters' minds, down to Emily Blunt's wrapped foot from the yeah. infamous nail could, in the step. Yeah, that's the kind of I, thing. God, I really appreciated that detail. That that was it. Really made it feel cohesive in timeline. So for me, the question was, what is it going to do? What is this movie now? What is this movie's identity? And this is obviously just like the person that's trying to review a film in a, you know, a critic type way. For me, overall, this movie maybe didn't accomplish as much as I'd want it to. It definitely felt like a middle movie in what I feel like could translate very easily into a sequel yep. uh, and a trilogy. But there's no way to talk about that without spoiling it. So sure. I'll put a pin in that the danger zone but this movie did accomplish what it set out to do and that there was a very linear storyline uh, it was a very a to b type movie with some deviations along the way so none of it really surprised me i think that the newness of all of the the rules and the anxiety ridden world were not there in this one so to me it had much less of a suspenseful feeling because those expectations were there, it definitely got me to jump scare a couple times, but it wasn't nearly as like riveting as it was in the first film. It, the newness was gone. Yes. So once the newness is gone, you have to say, what are you going to do now? And for me, this movie just didn't do enough for me to fall in love with it as far as doing different stuff or going out on its own. I felt like it really just propelled a, a plot forward for another hour and a half and that's pretty much it it was a fun experience in the theater i enjoyed watching it with a group of people in the dark in the quiet it was another one of those viewing experiences where everyone didn't want to eat their popcorn while it was nice, quiet dude, it that's was the really best. cool great audience yeah. really great crowd uh i loved the audience i was with but i mean did the movie lover in me like this movie absolutely was it great like a greatly put together movie and well written i don't think so i think it was it was a little too predictably linear and it didn't do enough new things for me to fall in love with it i will say without spoilers that if there is a third movie i think it has the potential to be awesome so okay. that's my take okay. what did you think a lot to unpack um working backwards i suppose you and I chatted about this briefly there there. And I don't think this is spoiling much there. There's already been a confirmed third movie that will be in the works. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. It's happening. Um, it's the same director that did mud back in like, uh, 2012, maybe. Um, I think Garrett Hedlund was in a good movie. Um, a dude that mm. could really do a good job sort of continuing this world, but you described a justifiable third movie that is, that is different than what it is already built up. And I also think that would be entertaining, but we can talk about that in the danger zone. Um, as far as plot goes, like you're totally right. There's, there's sort of a, a, a super linear thing. Like we we've now we're leaving the family farm and we have a goal basically, especially Reagan Millicent Simmons character. She has a goal. She wants to do this thing. She's heavily inspired by her dad's sort of chutzpah to go out and make the world a better place. And we'll inevitably have to talk about the Killian Murphy character. Um, who for all intents and purposes plays a very nice counterpoint to the um, go-getterness of John Krasinski's character in the last movie. 100%. Um, but to your point about like justifying sequels, 
What I really enjoyed about the first one, sure, it's a monster movie. Sure, it's a horror movie. The best horror movies, in my opinion, and I've said this several times, are ones that have larger commentary. And the first one is is really about Reagan and Lee's, um, Millicent Simmons and, and Simmons and John Krasinski's characters sort of bond as a father and daughter and like, am I worthy of being your child? And he's sort of trying to tell the line of like, what does it mean to be a father? Like, that's all really fascinating stuff that applies to real life. Sure, there's monsters around. That's fine. But But it's about something more human. And that's the stuff that really gets me. And once we lose the John Krasinski character in the first movie, I was like, again, like what's going to justify a sequel. And -hmm. I guess you could make the case that this becomes a movie about sort of the human spirit and and, and triumphing over, uh, you know, really insurmountable odds. And that's fine too. I think there's a lot to like here. I still think the monsters are really cool. The sound design is awesome. I like when their heads open up. So from a popcorn enjoyment perspective, sure. It's fun. There's jump scares, there's tension. Um, I think the sound design, particularly from shots where we get Reagan's perspective, um, reminded me a lot of the Darius Martyr film sound of metal from last year, Mm -hmm. which is cool. Like it's a very effective way to put the audience in the character's shoes. Um, But aside from the first, maybe eight minutes of this film where it's sort of the prologue of what happened when these aliens came to earth, which I think is an amazing sequence and very well done. I don't know that this has a ton to offer outside of horror movie entertainment. And that's okay. Um, but I don't think I'd watch it again. And I don't know that I'm interested in the third. I mean, depending on how, what they do with the third, I could be on board for it. Uh, but yeah, I agree. It doesn't have, I mean, the way you said that was perfect. Not much else to offer except just horror yeah. movie entertainment. And that's okay. Like I still, it's better than, it's better than Wrath of Man. It's better than the Army of the Dead. It's better than yeah. several things we've covered recently. So this exactly. is great. Yep. Still a good horror movie. That's, that's the debate that I have in my mind of like the dude that just likes movies. And then the guy that wants to like break them down and explain why a movie is good or bad. Sure. Because like the guy that just likes movies that movie was fine. Like, yeah, totally. But it's it's a movie I'd go sit and eat popcorn and I'd go home and I'd probably never think about it again. Yeah, you mentioned the um the oh what's the word? Uh the congruity of the bandage on Emily Bond's character's foot from last movie to this one. Mm-hmm. And I had mentioned sort of the suspension of certain aspects of disbelief. And one of them in the first movie for me was the biggest one is like, come on, you guys, you're having a baby. Like in a world where the slightest sound means certain death. <laughs> like, yeah. And I get that you lost your kid, but like maybe, maybe don't immediately get pregnant. You know, that seems silly. Um, in the same way that when she's pulling the laundry up the stairs in the first movie, this nail is coming out of the wood and she just like tugs and tugs and just leaves it. And then we get a real Chekhov's nail situation happening. We're like, shoot, someone's going to step on it. There's a scene early on in this movie where they're going through a chain link fence with like backpacks on and all sorts of stuff. And like someone doesn't quite make it through clean. They're just yanking on it. And Mm -hmm. then it makes a lot of noise. It's like, you guys, you've been doing this for a long time. I don't think that I should, like, I think as an audience member, I am no longer, I don't think that you guys should be alive. Like you've, you've lost it. You're not good at this or whatever. Like you don't have the survival instincts, I guess. Yeah, exactly. You don't get a pass anymore because you're an idiot. Yeah, like I don't want them to die, but, but based on the rules of the universe I've been given, you are dead. Yeah, and one thing I noticed about this movie too is apparently the the alien's sense of hearing has gotten worse. I know. Because like in the first movie it was like they're on you. <laughs> For what it's worth, the uh 
I, the, our, our sound design didn't pick that up, but assume everybody, there was a tiny noise Johnny just made. You just make a noise for me. Put sure. it in oh the post-production. Make Fine. it like, okay. make like a, put in a cat meowing. You want a cat meow? Damn right. Fine. Enjoy. You just heard a cat meow. All right. Fine. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that was one thing that bugged me. And the other thing that I don't know if I mentioned this during the first review, but the girl that is is deaf, it hit me in this one. She wouldn't ever know if she was making noise, dude. I know, which is fine. I like, but it's not because so clearly, like, you can't. You're the, the she. There's a sequence where she goes out on her own. I don't think that's spoiling too much. But it's like you're sort of the worst candidate for this, you know? Exactly. But yeah, I, and yeah. and another gripe for me is is Killian Murphy's character felt is about as deep as a puddle and like super unnecessary. Like, yes, he that character never really went anywhere, and he's a really good actor. And I it know. bummed me out that he didn't get given more to work with. And that's part of my what I said earlier about how the writing in the second one was just not as strong. Yeah, I don't mean to rag on John Krasinski, I guess. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't even mind some of that stuff, but there were three writers on the first movie. Um, Killian Murphy's character plays a dude named Emmett. We meet him in that prologue. He's also at a Little League game. Um, there's a lot that gets sort of thrown at us in those first eight minutes. Um, and, and yeah, Killian Murphy ends up being sort of like the survivalist that he, he, it's clear that he's lost some people and now he's just sort of resorted to hopelessness. And then being mm-hmm. confronted by the family, he he either gets to rise to the occasion or doesn't. And that's part of it too. But it wasn't really a compelling character arc for me. It's like I didn't I never cared about him too much. Um, and I think it was a huge, huge mistake to put as much focus as Krasinski did on Killian Murphy and not on Emily Blunt. Exactly. And then what they gave Emily Blunt to work with, she was kind of reduced to nothing. She was not super self-sufficient in this movie and you know, the whole plot was propelled by her just not being able to do anything for herself and asking Killian Murphy's character to just go do this thing for her. Yeah. Yeah, man. I Like, that bummed me out. Like, she should have gone and got the kid, you know? I think the more apt comparison I should have made is not Chekhov's gun, but but and I think it's Hitchcock that says this, but I could be wrong. In a film, particularly like this, like, it's it's far more satisfying to have the knowledge that there's um, a bomb under a table rather than, than a bomb just going off, right? Like a bomb going off is a jump scare. But if you know there's a timer counting down, you're there on the edge of your seat. And I think John Krasinski knows that, but he uses it all the time. Like there's there's an oxygen tank that gets brought into play in this movie that is effectively the same as the nail in the first movie. Like yeah. we just, we're just waiting for, you know, the oxygen to run out or someone to step on the nail or someone mm-hmm. to trip it or like light the, or the not light, but turn on the rocket ship that makes the sound. Like he does it all the time to the point where it almost no pun intended diffuses that sort of tension bomb, you know? Yeah, it really does. It's just kind of a, it's an overused device. And I don't know yeah. if that's just showing immaturity as a writer that maybe you need to not lean so heavily on these like tricks, these tropes, these yeah. devices yeah. that you maybe, you know, or implement them more subtly. My favorite is when movies do that and they just bring something back that seemed so insignificant in mm-hmm. the first part of the movie. And then it hits you like a ton of bricks because it was it was the bomb under the table that your conscious mind didn't even know totally. was there. And then you watch it again and you're like, oh, look how obvious that is. 
Exactly. Yeah, those that's are the things that we always say. Like, oh, we would maybe you'll notice more yeah. on the second yeah. watch. Like, yeah, yeah. and those are those devices that are really what separate like a great horror suspense movie from one that's quite frankly just a little too blunt, uh-huh. a little okay. too on the nose. All right, a little too blunt. Really, that's what you're gonna go with. <laughs> <laughs> a little too on the nose. Okay. He's a little on the nose with the devices. Yeah. Well, look, man, um, uh, for our radio listeners, we are running short on time. So why don't you and I rate A Quiet Place Part 2 first? Yeah. For me, A Quiet Place Part 2 is like was a 6.8. Yeah. Okay. 6.8. It's a 6 for me. We very much encourage uh, you to let us know what you think. But once again, you have been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema you do get the chance to see that movie please yeah let us know we got we're on social media you can uh, email us again at fhccast at gmail.com or head to our website freshhopcinema.com for film reviews beer reviews and podcast episodes dating all the way back to 2016 to our kzfr listeners the full-length version of this conversation will be available tomorrow morning friday morning at 7 a.m wherever quality podcasts are found and to all of our podcast listeners We'll be right back after this to talk spoilers in the Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Welcome to the Danger Zone. If you've never been with us before, that is the section of the show where we don't care about spoiling the movie. We assume everyone's seen it and we're going to talk about it mostly without any setup. And we're just going to talk about stuff that we couldn't talk about uh, earlier because it would have been considered a spoiler. So, and or just rude. And rude, for sure, because it's yeah. a spoiler. Um, yeah. Okay, so we're both sort of medium on on A Quiet Place Part 2. I sort of started falling off of the enthusiasm train at the train section, for what it's Me worth. Me too! Oh my so, god! Yeah, so Reagan's gone out and around, and like, we're just, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Like, she's not the person, maybe, to go out in a world where you have to be incredibly quiet. Because if you're not looking at your feet, maybe you step on a leaf. Who knows? Yeah, what are you supposed to feel the leaf? And for what it's worth, she does almost get killed and she doesn't even know it because a monster has snuck onto the train, but then Killian Murphy shows up to save her, which again, I didn't even love that. Like she's been around this whole time. And then the moment she's in peril, like this dude shows up, I was like, I got you. I'm your dad now. It's like, I look all right, Killian. I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. Um, I think, okay, how'd you feel about the ending? The final, let's, let's call it the third act. I think that's about how it works out. They they see, they're trying to find, okay, maybe it requires a little bit of setup. What do you think? Well, I wanted to go back a little bit to just push back on what okay, you said. Perfect. She totally did know she almost died because she took a shot at it and she missed. Oh, you're right. And That's true. And then he sniped it. And like, if you know anything about how guns work, like something would have gotten on her face. It was very frustrating. I was like, he might've just killed her. Like, wow. Oh, yeah. I don't, the only way to kill these things is when they open up their face brains to listen, right? Yeah. But if that's like the soft part and it's soft in the front and the back, wouldn't the bullet have gone through? Oh, probably. Oh, yeah, sure. What was he shooting with? Like just a rifle? Yeah, it's like a 30 six. That's not just a rifle. That's like you take bears down with that. <laughs> it's not just a rifle. You that's just like got so American. That's not just a rifle. <laughs> that's a fucking American masterpiece. Well, no, but it's okay, like sure. a rifle could be a 22. I mean, I'm just saying like those shoot what he was shooting has larger uh, bullets than like uh, an AR-15. 
Yeah, okay. So fair enough. To put that in perspective, like, but also that's just me being like a, a what do they call that? Continuity consultant. Like yeah. Stickler for details. Of all yeah, of um, all of the all of the rules that have been skirted in this film. That is not one that, yeah, that trapped me. Right. Yeah. Can we go back to that that train station for a second though? Like, did you think that that little girl was like gonna get raped for a second because of all the shoes what and like purses? Are you referring to. So when she first gets to the train station. And you see it's, like, just a shot along the bottom, like, along the platform. Mm -hmm. And it's just, they probably panned by, like, seven or eight pairs of, like, high heels and and purses and, like, cell phones. It looked like a whole nightclub of women dressed up, lost their shoes, their purses, and their cell phones right there. And I was like, is this some, like, predator's home base or something? Because that was, like... I don't know why that they did that if it wasn't going to go anywhere. Cause I'm like, that is a huge red flag. Like I thought for sure she was going to like get abducted by some sex criminal and then like saved by Killian Murphy or something. Um, did you not notice that? No, no. I mean, I saw, I remember seeing that spread of sort of remains of people's belongings, but I didn't cue into the idea that it was just all like female. Stuff. It was, it was all high heels and purses. Huh? It was um, so weird. That is, I mean, yeah, that's that's that that it, that would be very indicative of something you would think. Um, but no, I didn't. I didn't notice that. But that is that is strange. Yeah. Okay. And it didn't go anywhere. That's why I'm like, because you know how Krasinski is with the teasers and the of course, of course. Here's the yes. the towel in the the lever. Chekhov's purse. You know, of course. Chekhov's Chekhov's yes. high heels. <laughs> Check Chekhov's out these Chekhov's high heels. <laughs> um, which you're kind of giving into something I want to talk about later because there are creepy. Um, you know, I don't know. This is a bit of a trope for post-apocalyptic stuff too. Like, oh, there's the hills the, have eyes. People. Yeah, like there's the people that what for whatever reason are living on boats, which I feel like is strange. Like, do the do the monsters just know that the boats splashing in the water is a normal sound? They don't have to attack the boats. I'm not clear on that. But these people are living on this. Uh, what do you call it? Where boats live? A dock. A dock. <laughs> and um, <laughs> they're not sentient. They don't live there. But whatever. And like, there's a trap that everybody in the audience is like, that's a fucking trap. So maybe don't go to this girl whose face you can't see at the end of a dock in the middle of the night, but whatever, these people come out of the woodwork who are the type of people that might abduct children and whatever for me. And that this is actually, this is really where I started losing it. The train stuff was fine. It's like, it's the same thing that happened. And I hate to make this comparison, but in Hobbs and Shaw, we're like, I was pretty into it for the first two thirds. And it's like, we're going to go to, to the rocks family's Island and like have a big battle where you pull a helicopter on a chain. Like, no, I don't need it. I like sort of the world building of like the government took the people to an Island cause the monsters can't swim. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And like, I know the MacGuffin of like, we have to get to the radio station to broadcast the high frequency, whatever. But uh, I don't know, man. I didn't need us to have bad people necessarily. Yeah. And you know, it was kind of alluded to by Killian Murphy's character, whose yeah. name I can't remember, nor do I care to. Emmett. I think it was Emmett. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Killian Murphy. That's his name. Sure. Um, because he was such a non-factor in this movie. It was such a bummer, but um, he alluded to that a couple times as far as like the people that are left aren't worth saving. Like, you don't even know. Which is so like, just, like, just, just uh, He hasn't gone anywhere. He's I gone know. like a mile from his house. <laughs> you have one bad run-in with the dock people and you think you know like what the whole world status is. Like what the fuck, dude? Yeah, I don't even think he ran into those people. Like I, I have no concept of space in this place. Like I don't know. Where do they even live? I guess like maybe the, the, the 
the southeast. I, it's unclear to me. Yeah, it definitely was East Coast. You could tell because of the map. And when they had the map, it was the Atlantic oh, okay. Ocean nice. and the eastern seaboard. Uh, so I'm guessing like a little bit inland, like somewhere on a, I mean, maybe upstate New York or maybe somewhere like that where, you know, the ocean would be like one day's walk away. Sure. I, man, this is such, this is the problem. We've, we've had about a beer and a half, maybe a little bit more. Um, it's such an easy movie to nitpick. Like in any given scene, there's something that a halfway intelligent person would be like, maybe don't like in the first one, it was like, you know, if you can scream near a waterfall, why not maybe set up camp near the waterfall? Yeah. And here it's like, maybe don't set up base Emmett in a metal foundry where everything is anvils and scrap metal. Like anything yeah. you bump creates a symphony. Just burn. Yeah. Like don't just don't do that, man. And maybe don't use a gun, like use something quieter. I don't yeah. know. How many are there at this point? Like the end of the first movie is like, there's like nine of them coming in. Don't use the loudest weapon you can find. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. You'd think crossbows would be more of a factor in this world. For sure. But maybe they where's, didn't have a crossbow. I don't know. Where's Daryl from The Walking Dead? I don't know where's where he Darryl? is. Where's Daryl? Get him. Get him. We need him. He would have been a much, I don't know. I would. I like Killian Murphy. I was going to say Daryl from The Walking Dead would have been a better character, but not if he was written that way. Yeah, he true. would have been just as neutered and a non-factor, and not. He was so neutral. Like, yeah, I, I, I guess if I was playing the devil's advocate, kind of, it's like, even though Reagan had found peace with her dad, John Krasinski, in the first movie, um, maybe she hasn't sort of fulfilled what she's hoping to become as a, as a, what seems to be like the protector of the family now. Although then that's undercut by Emmett even existing. Like, do we need his? Like, does he have to step in as sort of the protector if she's doing it? Like, I'm not sure who, who I'm, I know I'm rooting for certain people, but like, why? Like, what, what do yeah. they have that others don't? And I would assume that Reagan's character is like, yes, I am taking care of my family now. But then they put Eminem and it's like, no, I'm going to take care of your family. Like, it's weird. And he doesn't care. Well, I don't know. And like, at first he didn't want to yeah, remember when, sure. she, when Emily Blunt was like, let us stay, whatever. And then he was like, you, you need to be go. gone by like tomorrow. Yeah. Yep, and then and then she leaves the the daughter, and then it turns into you need to go get her for me. Yeah, like what? I, I don't know. Jeez, it's like that's like, what my husband would have done. Yeah, like you go get her. I mean, I wouldn't yeah. send the I wouldn't send her either. Like nobody, she just shouldn't have probably left. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't either. It's you know, I don't know if it's a matter of like. Krasinski writing good for himself mm -hmm. but like his character was so enjoyable and multifaceted in the first one that anything less just feels dull and out of place in this universe like because at least he had he had a character he had motivation he had you know he was compelling and this this Killian Murphy character was just not compelling in the negative or positive like he wasn't really a heel and he wasn't really a hero. He was yeah. just kind of there. He's a warm body, for sure. Yeah. 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 You're right. Yeah. Like, that's what I was trying to get at earlier. Like, if they would have given sort of the um, the mantle of family head to Emily Blunt instead and, like, subverted maybe, like, the masculine expectations for Killian Murphy's character, like, maybe he takes care of the baby. And Emily Blunt gets to go be a badass and she and Reagan go and use their shotgun, guitar amp, high frequency combo to kill a bunch of monsters. That'd be dope. But instead, it's just like, nope, Killian Murphy's going to go save the little helpless girl. Whatever. Like, I don't know, man. It could have been so much more.
I would have been so here for a movie that made Emily Blunt the badass hero. She's so cool. She's so cool. Like uh, I love her, yeah. and it just it. I would have been way more here for it if you know that would have been written. But apparently, John Krasinski doesn't love his wife. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, Edge of Tomorrow, great film with her as a as a strong lead, action lead for what it's worth. Uh, yeah. With Tom Cruise, great movie. Well, I don't know if it's a great movie, but she was good. (laughs) That is what I meant. You know what's messed up? Is Uh. that's like one of the most acclaimed science fiction movies in recent history, and I've never seen it. Okay. Well, oh, really? Yeah. It's good. You should watch it. I don't know how. And I've heard from from nerds that are like deep in sci-fi. Like, no, like that movie's like amazing. Like, and then I've heard from people say that it's like, it's really good. It's really good. Either way, like I don't think I've heard much bad about it, and it's really surprising that I haven't watched it. Yeah, it's it's space action Groundhog Day, from what I recall, which is fine. Hmm. Well, hot damn! But you know, I'm a fan of time stuff, so like any time, yeah. like any any time. What is time? Who knows? But you know what I mean. There's a new movie about that kind of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. It's usually either really great or terrible. Yeah. I feel like the new Loki series is going to be dealing quite a bit with the multiverse and time as well. Oh, I can't stomach any more Marvel stuff. Like they're making new. You're like, the one that was like, you should I watch know. WandaVision and you should watch well, this. Okay. And now you're like, I can't stomach it. WandaVision. How dare you? Very good. Um, but I can't handle more like rules. Like there's a whole committee or, or like organization that deals with the, the laws of time. There's like putting in new stuff to keep. There's like, it's like they're defibrillating something is should just let it go, man. You know, it's too old. It's 25 movies old. Just just let it die. And they won't because it's money. Oh, but. no. They're cranking out the content. Ugh. Oh, if anything, there's going to be more more Marvel content than ever. And quite frankly, your tune has changed significantly from just like a week ago. Weren't you just caping for me to watch The Falcon and the Winter Soldier? You should watch it. It's not, oh, it's not amazing. But also you're sick of Marvel stuff. I am sick of it, yes. But I should watch it even though it's not amazing? Why am I going to waste my time on something that's not amazing in a market of Marvel that's <laughs> oversaturated when there's so much other content to stream? Please explain to All me right. why I need to watch this not amazing show. All right, you're right. I will save my Malala for In the Heights. Don't watch that. <laughs> save it for Come In the on. Heights. That's fine. All right. I'm just saying you were all about it like a week ago. Now you're like, there's too much. I'm not watching Loki. You're not going to watch Loki? There's some. I, of course, I'm going to watch it. Like Gianna's yeah. going to watch it, and I'll watch it, and then we'll cover it briefly. And it are might you be just, amazing. Are you just mad about all this amazing, high quality, high budget cinematic content about our childhood comic books being just crammed down your throat because there's too much? I'm gonna, I'm with you there's there. Too there's too much. There's too much. Like I'm, I'm over. Like I'm over unoriginal. I'm over reheats, man. Like I just want more stuff. Which is why when we get to Hot and Bothered, I'm so jazzed on Bo Burn. I'm like, I just love that guy. And I love Lin-Manuel Miranda. Like, new ideas. Let's promote that kind of stuff. Sure. Like, I like new ideas. I do too, man. Like, Marvel's fun and it's cool and it's great popcorn stuff. And to some extent, I'm super emotionally invested in some of those characters. But but it's never going to beat a Hearts Beat Loud or a The Last Black Man in San Francisco or a ghost story. Like, it's never going to come close. Or and a I Ted just, Lasso. Sure. Exactly. And I just, I would rather put my energy if those things existed, which they would if I had put my energy into them, into the other stuff. So like, I'm not, if if you put a Loki next to a uh, Ted Lasso, like I'm going to watch Ted Lasso every time. Yeah. I can't get into the the Marvel series because kind of, you, you, you gave words to my feelings, I think, in that I just feel like there's better shit I could be watching. Like this just, I don't need to just have something on to be entertained, like as background noise that like. 
I'll watch for some of the action and CGI. Like I'd like to be entertained on a little bit deeper level for sure. Like, and sometimes that's not the most fun. Like sometimes that deeper level is, is real human experience that can be sort of set like a ghost story. Again, I just mentioned it. Like I still haven't seen it again. I don't think you have either, but, but I still think it's more worthwhile than anything Marvel has ever done and ever will do. It's just not on the same echelon of, of, of quality or of, of anything really. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's the popcorn movies versus the the real substance, and they are good for entertainment value, but there's so much out there, and and we're pretty spoiled with like all the streaming apps. Like, yeah, I still want to watch Mayor of Easton, Mayor of East Town, whatever the the new murder mystery series with, uh, oh, oh, from Titanic. What's her name? Kate Winslet. Oh, sure. As like the lead detective. Um, yeah, there's just there's too much good engaging content to be just mindlessly entertained by drivel with explosions and superpowers okay then we're doing beer number two which is traveler's welcome also number two this is the one they used urban roots did to celebrate their second anniversary this is a double west coast ipa nine percent and they say this traveler's welcome two is a west coast double ipa brewed for everything i just said but it has idaho seven chinook and citra hops um Johnny, do you know anything about this beer that I don't, or should we just uh, crack it open and, and review it? What do you think? Well, well, Max, I'm, I'm worried. We've established that they've had their third anniversary. Is this beer a year old? I was going to ask you that earlier, but you said actually already that they brewed it again. Yeah, I just don't have the can in front of me. When was this canned? This was uh, May 20th, 2021, and right above the date on the bottom of the can, it says party time. So, yeah. fair enough. Have you poured it? I have just poured it. Yes, I have poured Traveler's Welcome to 9%. With Idaho 7, Chinook, and Citra Hops, have you thought of words that you want to use to describe what you've tasted? Well, this beer is a stunner. This is this is a beer that I think maybe was made for me. Okay. It, it has got just this robust and dank, dry hop presence. It's earthy. It's, it is robust on the nose and in the mouth. But it finishes just super drinkable and absolutely enjoyable. This is maybe my favorite IPA of the year so far. No way, really? No way, bud. I'm dead serious. Like, this is a phenomenal beer. Yeah, it's, you know, I thought for a minute it might be a little bit less um, obvious, the ABV, but it's definitely 9%. It's, it's certainly a huge beer, and it knows it. There isn't a terrible amount of that um, cloying sweetness, but there is some of it for me a little bit, but it really, it, for me, it doesn't even come close to the, the hop presence. Yeah, I'll give you that. It doesn't, but there, I don't know, man. And I think I've said this a thousand times, not a thousand, but, but many a time, like something about those earthier hops and, and yep. some of that more of it, it just doesn't work for me. Like Azaka, Idaho seven Chinook, even like, I just don't love when, when they are featured in beers. Like I just don't like those flavors most of the time. Yeah. And I, gravitate towards them i am i'm compelled to consume them like i'm gonna buy another can of this tomorrow like immediately that's fair um there i mean i I do like some of it i think for for the alcohol bang like like it's tough to find a really smooth nine percent ipa or or yeah ipa um so if that's what you're looking for this is definitely not a terrible way to go um and i enjoy it okay i don't think i'd ever try it again no kidding yeah well, that's fine. More for me, baby. Sure. Um, what about you? Things you hate? 
No. All right. Then let's just give it a rating, man. Yeah. No, there's nothing I hate Great. about this. That's beer. easy. This is, yeah, this was, this was made for me. This is hitting all the marks. It's so clean. It's so crisp. It's just absolutely drinkable. Okay. This wait, is my really, first 10. Really quick. This, I'm, this is my, oh, what? I was going to guess your rating, but I think you just said it. This is a 10. This is my first 10 of the year. Nice, dude. That's I don't I think, think it's your first ten of the year, by the way. No, but it have is. Have I given out a ten this year? Yeah, we both gave out tens um, a couple months ago. I can't remember what, but I can find out. But that was, uh, yeah, that's great, man. Ten super yeah. high. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is tremendous. This is a masterfully produced beer. I have to say, um, something this hoppy usually doesn't drink this clean. And at nine percent, I was expecting way more sweetness. Um, I love earthy hops. Yeah. And, the citra balances that out just enough to where it's not like parchingly dry. And I think the thing that probably gives it its drinkability is in fact the citra hops. 100%. Because if it was just Idaho 7 and Chinook, I'm not super familiar with the Chinook, but for sure Idaho 7 is very earthy, but the citra just really gives it some brightness and some pop. But overall, man, I think this is the best double APA on a West Coast double IPA, best one on the market you can get, right? All now. right. I'm, I'm giving it my huge stamp of approval. Yeah, man. I think for me, it's a six. Like, I, it's good. Like, you know, I'm not I'm not mad about it or anything. Um, and as 9% IPAs go, like, it's not the worst thing I've ever had. But again, I don't I don't think I'm reaching for it again. Um, but I'll finish what I have in my glass. Maybe not the entire 16-ounce can, but I think it's I think it's just a little bit better than fine. That is a huge disparity. I know. Yeah, I know. Man, it's crazy when that happens. It's that that's when the the taste and the I rem, I'm reminded of the uh the double nickel, what is it? Raspberry from, vanilla kettle sour that we did. Oh, from Pensaokin uh, Townsend out of the, out of that town with um with the the guy that I like on the uh the koala fella or no? Yeah, like the little like lemur looking guy. Whatever he was. Who yeah. Yeah. Was I brewery? remember or double, double nickel, nickel was the brewery, huh? Yeah, that's what I said. Um, you loved that beer, and you gave it a ten. And God, I think it was I so gave good. It like a like a seven or something. Like it was fine, um, but that's where personal preference comes into play. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Who cares? That's fine. All right, travelers, welcome. I, Second anniversary, yeah. ten for you, six for me. Let's uh, let's move along into hot and bothered. What do you think? I think it's good, man. I like it. I like it when we disagree about stuff. It makes the conversation interesting. <sighs> welcome to hot and bothered uh where like johnny said earlier we talk about our lives kind of catch up and maybe fill each other in on some things that are worth our time uh movies beers otherwise doesn't matter in my case i want to talk about airport beers i know what you're thinking what what's to talk about i think everybody should drive to the airport just to have a beer and then drive (laughs) home (laughs) um which is code for max did you do that i was supposed to go to hawaii um, last week and I don't want to bore everyone with the details, but they weren't great. The short version is like Hawaii's travel restrictions are pretty strict with COVID. And I didn't have my results back in time to board the plane, which might've been fine. Cause they might've received me in Hawaii and said, okay, well you got to quarantine for 10 days, but in your Airbnb, and I was going to be there for a few days, or they might've said like, you need to quarantine in the airport, Tom Hanks style from the movie terminal and eat ketchup and mayonnaise packets. And I wasn't prepared to do that. So I I called my mom who was already there and I was like, here's the deal. And she was like, you know, I don't think it's worth it. Like we were going for her birthday and, and 
it just didn't end up panning out. So I didn't get on the plane, but I did have a beer, which was like $11 in a shitty plastic cup. And I sat in the airport before I decided not to go. And I had this beer and then had the phone call. And then I, I drove home. So I drove to Sacramento, which is like an hour and a half from us to have a beer at the airport. And then I left. I went through security. I got patted down the whole nine. And uh, I can confidently say, no, airport beers are not worth the drive. Oof. No, they're not. That is a damn shame. Yeah. So instead, I came home and went to a bunch of different stores looking for inflatable pools, which apparently in the dog days of early June in Chico, no one has them except for like big five. And they sell them for like $650, which I was not going to buy. Um, and instead, I had gone to Target too. So I uh, went to BevMo spent an exorbitant amount of money and bought the ingredients for all sorts of tropical cocktails. Then I got home, made myself a tropical cocktail, put water in a wheelbarrow, sat in that and said, this is my Hawaii now. Nice. And that was my day that day. God, what a day. Yeah. You want to take one? These both seem like hot on your list. That was my one. And it wasn't even really a bothered. That was still like, whatever. That's funny. Yo, I mean, it did for sure is a bothered, uh, as from the perspective of someone that's never been to Hawaii, mm. I would be super bummed if I got <laughs> fucked out of going. It was my so, own fault. It doesn't matter. It was my fault, probably. Yeah, I know that it was, but I'm not trying to put you on blast, Max. That's I'm fair. trying to empathize. Thanks, man. Because I don't need the whole world to know that you should have got your test like a day or two sooner. No, no, no. That's the thing. You have to get it. You have to get the results within 72 hours. Yeah. Like I just got it at a bad place. Oh, like they like like Walgreens messed it up and everyone was like, (sighs) Hey, like on Reddit, they're like, don't go to Walgreens. And then I booked it and I talked to everyone at the pharmacy. like, Hey, I'm going to Hawaii. They have very strict travel regulations. Like, are we okay? And they're like, we don't know anything. If you booked it on the website, it should be fine. And I was like, in my brain, I was like, this is a red flag, but you're like, cool. I'm, I'm fucked. Yeah. It was not good. Sorry. What were you saying? Well, yeah, I'm, I I would say it's a bummer because yeah. I was hoping to live vicariously through your Instagram sure. for the week, but sure. instead uh, I didn't get to do that. So that was a bummer. Yeah. Uh, I have a couple things that are hot. One's an, a record, one's a show. It's back to the old format. We're sure. here again. Give me, a, give me a record first. So the record is Arrows from well-documented, one of my favorite bands in the world, Red Fang. Just came out, released June 4th. If you're paying attention, we're recording this June 8th. It's mm-hmm. four days old. Mm-hmm. Um, I pre-ordered. I'm a good fan. I pre-ordered to support the band. I pre-ordered directly from them for a vinyl t-shirt uh, combo package deal. So super stoked on that record. Uh, it was ready beginning of last year, but they obviously put it on hold sure. because they are not super big and super wealthy. And uh, when they put out a record, it's really pivotal that they tour for it. Like a lot of small to medium-sized bands, all of their real revenue comes from touring. So they had to sit on a record for a whole year with no income, which probably sucked a lot. (laughs) I don't know any starving musicians. So (laughs) that has to just really suck. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely felt obligated to, to snag the pre-order with the t-shirt and throw some money at those guys. Uh, really love the new record. It's great. Arrows is amazing. They made a really cool video in one of their backyards up in Portland. Uh, they spent the whole video budget on a samurai sword and just chopped stuff up. Okay. It's really cool. Really funny. They are pretty notorious for making really great music videos. 
There was one where they uh, spent their whole budget on beer and snacks and a station wagon, and they paid someone to weld basically like a a ramming, like a a ram shield on the front of it, like a like a battering ram. Uh, not a battering ram per se, but like a like a basically a bumper, but on steroids made out of steel. Okay, in order to just ram through things, like in their whole video was just them drinking beers at an airport that's been closed off and just running over stuff and well, like running topical. through stuff. That's lovely. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. But uh, they they're definitely known for their funny music videos. But big fan of the now released 2021 album Arrows, and I am super stoked to see those guys in October. They're doing a West Coast swing. So if you're on the West Coast, they're doing, you know, Portland all the way down and then over. Uh, they should be playing in the Northern California area around October. Wherever they play, I will be there. Come drink a beer with me. Can people hear that album anywhere else or no? Uh, yeah. No, it dropped on the 4th. It's on iTunes, Spotify. Oh, cool. And then I think at least three of the songs, possibly the whole album, are on YouTube that you could listen for free. Uh, but yeah, you can actually tell your Alexa or whatever you listen to to just play that. And uh, yeah, it's out now. So check it out. Nice, man. Uh, the other night I was sitting at home watching a thing on Netflix and Gianna, my wife, was was kind of hustling and bustling around the house. She was doing, uh, uh, she was prepping something for her work day with a horse uh, the next day. And she peeped what I was <clears throat> watching and watched for about a minute and a half. And she leaned over to me like real sort of real serious. And she was like, I'm pretty sure if I hadn't married you and just left you alone for a long time, you would have ended up doing something like this. You would have just locked yourself in a room <laughs> and done this. And what I was I watching, the same thing. <laughs> and 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 I took it as a compliment. I said thank you. And I'm not sure that's how she meant it. But what I was watching was Bo Burnham's new special, Inside, is what it's called. Uh, it's on Netflix, and it's a it's a in real big quotes comedy special, um, filmed entirely over the course of the pandemic by Bo Burnham, written by him, performed by him with a single camera and lights and music that he's composed and, and, and done himself. And it's, it's not a comedy special, I suppose, but it is. Um, I'm a huge fan of Bo Burnham. I think he's fantastic. I thought he was great when he directed eighth grade. I thought his special make happy was fantastic. I loved him in promising young woman. He is a, Oh, I don't know. There's something that I just, I just lock into with him. And now he's one of those people that I just, when he puts something out, I'm like, I'm going to watch it no matter what I need to see this. And his special inside was no different. It's something that is a mixture of what he's done in the past, which is to say it's, um, some sort of comedic musical numbers and some commentary on the modern world in particular. Um, you know, like, uh, sort of loneliness and and what it means to be an artist during a pandemic and social media and all sorts of stuff. And it was so good and it's a bit heavy, but I really, really recommend checking it out. It's on Netflix. It's called inside. Um, and it's just a really nice window, a window into somebody's brain who is open about what it was like to be a creative type during the pandemic, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And uh, I'm going to back Max up on that. That was a fantastic thing. I watched it and I would recommend watching it to anyone, can especially I, if, if yeah. you're a fan of Bo Burnham's. Can I play a little bit of one song from it? Which song? There's So there's the number where he's, it's, it's. oh man, there's somebody to choose from. But I think I'm going to go with the internet song. 
Um, okay. It's like, it's so good. He sings almost like, like a villain from a Disney movie as the voice of the internet. <laughs> and he like juxtaposes these ideas of like what the internet could have been, which is like lovely blog posts and pictures of your kids and dogs up against like national tragedies and, and children getting shot too young and like porn and all sorts of nasty shit that happens on the internet. And is like, come to me, you vulnerable youths and let me destroy you basically. Um, and I don't know what it's called cause it's just in the special, but I'm going to, I'm going to fade it in right about here and let people enjoy it or not enjoy it for a couple, uh, a couple seconds. And then we'll, we'll come back in with your, your final hot and bother. If that's cool with you. If none of it's of interest to you, you'd be the first. Welcome to the internet. Come and take a seat. Would you like to see the news or any famous women's feet? There's no need to panic. This isn't a test. <laughs> Just nod or shake your head and we'll do the rest. Welcome to the internet. What would you prefer? Would you like to fight for civil rights or tweet a racial slur? Be happy. Be horny. Be bursting with rage. We got a million different ways to engage. Welcome Anyways, again, that's Bo Burnham's internet. Inside on Netflix. Um, please, 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 please let me know what you think if you get a chance to see it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. Most excellent. I concur completely. Check it out. That's a that's a hot from both of us. We're we're united in flamage. So hot the, up in here. So hot. So so hot. Uh, what is not hot is something that's actually very cold. Oh no! And that is the backdrop for season of Alone, season eight. Okay. If you're a longtime listener of this show, you know that I've been on this shit for a while. Uh, there's been seven seasons in the past of the self-filmed reality show survival competition alone and season eight is airing currently there's one episode available now if you're like have hulu or whatever it's on history channel and uh if you want to watch along with me we can chat about our favorites favorite scenes stuff like that i think it'd be fun if i had a few people that were watching along this season with me sure. uh, episodically, you know, some appointment-based television. You only get one episode a week. What? That does not satisfy <laughs> mm-hmm. my immediate reaction and immediate satisfaction brain. But alas, I have to wait on a weekly basis for this show. But I don't know if you've ever watched any of it, Max. I know I no. tried to get you to watch it a lot um, because it's more documentary than reality TV. And that's, what's so fascinating. Like there's not one dull moment of any season of alone, because even when they're just trying to figure stuff out to me, it's fascinating because this whole show is predicated on the idea that you are so far removed from humanity and so isolated alone that your only job is to not die and film yourself not dying. Yeah. And, and how you do that is up to you whatever kind of shelter, however you want to get food. Um, It's literally up to you. There's no rules. You can bring 10 primitive items and a bunch of camera gear. And seriously, the show is just don't die and film yourself not dying. And it is so compelling. I can't get enough of it. And I think it's like the survival show that I always wanted when I watched Survivor Man and the other guy that wasn't Survivor Man, yeah, that, that drank his pee. You know that guy. Oh no, I don't. Uh, Survivor Man was with Bear Grylls, and then the it other was? one was. 
I don't think that's yeah. right. With Bear Grylls? Yeah. No, Bear Grylls is, I'm sorry, Survivor Man was one show, and then Bear okay. Grylls hosted the other show. What? The point is, you love alone. So the yes. other shows are not worthy. Yes. Exactly. Is Survivor Man the one where they found out he was like just not even at all in the woods? He was like, they, they caught a car on a freeway in the background? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not Survivor Man. Survivor <laughs> okay. Man is with uh, Les Stroud, and that was not show. He he kind of did it the way Alone is done, where he filmed it all himself out yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Um, God, what was the other one? Because the other one was that guy, the guy that yeah was like super British and uh, I can't remember its name. Doesn't matter. Anyways, that is my shit. It's man versus wild. Sorry. I was oh, Googling. that's right. Man versus wild. That's right. Man, that's been a minute. Yeah. Yeah, it has. Um, but yeah, I'm back on alone. So if you're watching alone season eight. You're not alone. You're not alone. Let's not be alone. Let's watch it not alone <laughs> together. Let's watch alone together. Okay. Next week on the show, we have beers that Johnny will pick out that I will not fuss about because he has graciously agreed to watch my Malala, if you will, Nick Land looking at you, film of the year in the Heights. So. Go see In the Heights before next uh, before next Friday and listen to our episode. It's going to be a lot of fun or at the very least a lot of conversation. So we'll see what happens. The show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi, all of our family on Patreon, the handlebar. Um, am I missing anything at all, Johnny Summers? I don't think so. I think that's it, man. Uh, one last shout out to Andy at SNS for sure. curating such a lovely beer selection that uh, provided the refreshment you heard. And also provided my first, I'm going to say it's my first 10 of the year. Okay, fair enough. Then also, also, um, if you like the show, please, please just take a second and and pick up your smartphone and just, just go to your podcast app and give us a five-star rating. It really, really helps people find the show. And if you got a couple bucks, join us on Patreon. It's a real good time, right? I'm not wrong in that. Like, I think it is a good time for everybody. Yeah, we just recorded some bonus content today and... As, as the world goes on, we're going to be doing way more interactive stuff and yeah. hanging out with you guys. And I'm really, that to me is what made Patreon so dope for was, sure was the fact that like, we could just hang out. Like I would join a Patreon if it mean I got, if it meant I got to like drink beers with a podcast host that I enjoyed that yes. I could maybe become friends with. Yeah. Don't, don't get your hopes up. We're not going to be friends. <laughs> we don't but, like people, but, but yeah, but you can come. For sure. Yeah, you can be there. I'll buy you a beer <laughs> and then go home. It'll be great. All right. That's Johnny Summers. That's Max Minardi. We love you guys. Remember, drink good beer, watch good movies, and most importantly, be good to each other. We'll see you next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.